The first trans person I ever met was a coworker at a call center. We were tier one desktop support for a major corporation, and she was my team lead. I smoked back then, and we would take smoke breaks together. And when you work together for long enough, well, you know how it goes. You start to learn more about each other and get into more personal topics. Especially if you really click and, and hit it off, and you can tell you have compatible personalities. And well, she and I were both super into heavy metal. I would describe her style as early Mick Mars from Motley Crue. I was more into, you know, modern metal, Avenged Sevenfold, Kill Switch Engage, but I was into the old stuff too Judas Priest, Slayer, Testament, Metallica, you know, all the obvious stuff. And I got into some weird stuff too, like Forbidden Evil and Death. And I was into guitar. I was a guitar player and I still am. So we had a lot of things in common and we were pretty good work friends. So we'd go out for these smoke breaks together and talk and eventually she would start to tell me more about her life. And she was someone that you could pretty easily identify as a trans person. Um, not that she didn't carry off the, the female look well or anything. It's just, you know. So I asked questions. And she was super cool. She was an open book. She didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. And she knew that, that what I was asking was, was coming from a place that was not hostile or invasive. I was just a dumb kid and I didn't know much about things. These days, I wouldn't ask questions like the ones that I did. And uh, now when I think about it, I'm kind of embarrassed because some of these questions I asked were kind of inappropriate. But I digress. Anyway, she knew that her gender identity was female in the late 80s when she was a teenager living with her parents and her father tried to beat the transgender out of her. Which might have even been before there was a word for it. Maybe, I don't know. I'd have to Google it, I guess. She tried running away to friends' houses. She'd always get dragged home and eventually just got on a bus and left town. And I asked, why didn't you just wait until you were 18? Why didn't, you know... Why didn't you wait until you got some career training and had a better jumping off point? And she said that if she had to live and, and identify and present as a boy for one more day, she was going to kill herself. That was an inflection point in her life. And she realized in that moment she had to, she had to either take drastic action to, to save herself from falling into this, this pit of despair or give up. And so she fought for her life. She fought for herself and she struck out on her own. And she said it was the best decision she ever made. It was pretty rough at first. She did tell me some stories about living on the street for a little bit. Um, not super relevant to this, so we'll skip that and get to the point where her life kind of stabilized. 
And once it did, she realized after a while that simply presenting and dressing as a, you know, a girl wasn't quite enough. The makeup, the hair, the clothes, the affect, it was better, better than having to present as a boy, especially under threat of a beating. But it still wasn't quite to the point where she was living as who she knew on the inside that she was meant to be. And the thing is, with transgender people, the extent to which they, they need to transition is something that, you know, each transgender person has to, to find out for themselves. And there's only one way to do it. And that's just to do it. For some people, presenting visually is enough. For many, hormone replacement therapy is, is required. And, and once they get to that point, then maybe, maybe they feel like they're there. Um, for her, my coworker, that wasn't enough either. So she got topside gender reassignment surgery, which really was, was breast implants. And some other plastic surgeries that I don't quite completely know about because I, while I did ask more questions than I would now because of, of my ignorance, I didn't ask that many. So, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, after the topside surgery, she tried that out for a while. And that was even closer to where she needed to be. And eventually she realized she was at peace with who she was. The, the bottom side surgery, the actual, you know, gender reassignment surgery there was something that she did not feel she needed to do to really feel like she was living as the person she was meant to be on the inside. And for some people, that is necessary. That is what they need. And just think about for a minute that in that time, a lot of people did go through with the bottom side gender reassignment surgery when that procedure was in its infancy, when it was just sort of being invented and developed. And sometimes there were, you know, really bad results from it because this was a, a such a, it was uncharted surgical territory. Imagine how sure of something you would have to be in order to undergo experimental surgery on that part of your body knowing that for some people it turns out disastrously but still being able to risk it still being willing still needing to <clears throat> imagine excuse me sorry got some tickle in my throat imagine how sure of it you would have to be to take that kind of risk that's no small thing in her case, though, she was at peace. She felt like she was there, and I can't put it into words. The, the tone of her voice, her facial expression, when she told me about this part of things, I could tell it was, it was such a moment of, of relief to realize that she had arrived at that point that it kind of chokes me up to think about sometimes when I'm talking about it especially considering the, the journey that she had to go through to get to that point. Being beaten by her father, being chased and dragged home and, and having to leave the state and go to a, a city where she knew no one just to be able to, to figure these things out in peace. 
and how how much easier could it have been if her parents had just accepted her, who she was, and, and just tried to understand and be supportive. It, it didn't have to be this hard. My friends, the, the transgender friends that I have, both in real life and online, most of them do not get the uh, gender reassignment surgery. Most have been fine with, with hormones. A few have gotten partial or, or total gender reassignment surgeries, but in most cases, at least for the people I know, well, it just wasn't necessary to go to, to that extent, and that's going to be individual for every transgender person, and I don't know mentally, emotionally what goes into that and how you know. I have no conception of how one would know because, like I said, I'm, I'm cisgender, and I will never know. And I don't need to, to be supportive. And these days, I don't ask those kind of questions. You know, it's one of those things that if a trans person, whether it's a friend or a casual acquaintance or, or just somebody I've just met, however much they feel like they want to be forthcoming with on their own is, is fine with me. I don't pry anymore, especially since... Some people get hit with these questions so often that they're just sick of answering them. So I try to be sensitive to that. I'm still learning. You know, I've, I've actually misgendered some of my friends by mistake after they've transitioned. And my best friend, his kid is transgender, and a couple of times I've still screwed that up. Nobody got mad at me, ever. Nobody even, nobody even corrected me, ever. I just, I noticed myself and apologized. Now I don't even do that anymore. I just move on past it because everybody knows, you know, we're all sort of adjusting and, and doing our best. Intention matters. Where something is coming from, that matters. Anyway, I've gotten a little off into the weeds so the story of my coworker is not unique. It is a very common story. In fact, that's almost exactly the way being transgender seems to present worldwide. The entire world. There are 7.9 billion people in the world. <clears throat> 7.9 billion, okay? Now, depending on what information source you go to, and I've looked at a bunch of them and there's some variation in it, but the range that I've found is from 0.9% of the worldwide population is transgender to 1.6% of the worldwide population. So it's somewhere in there. And, and also I've, I've read articles that said that that statistic may be underreported because people don't feel comfortable or safe identifying as transgender on surveys because of the way that data might be used against them. So that it's possible that even 1.6 is low. But for the purposes of this episode, let's just be very conservative and say it's 1%. We'll just round it to that to keep it nice and simple, which would mean 79 million people in the world are transgender in some way. 79 million. Now, maybe you don't believe transgender is a valid state of being. Maybe you, you think that it, it's something else. 
whatever you're basing that on, who knows. One thing I do know, and, and I'm not basing this on anything specific, just my own perception of things, the confluence of information and circumstance, I can say with pretty much absolute certainty that 79 million people all over the fucking world are not collaborating on an elaborate deception that has fooled the entire medical and psychological communities. Okay, the entire psychiatric community, every single branch of academia that studies transgender people, 79 million people are not fucking collaborating on fooling them, okay? Or you, or anyone else. 79 million people are not doing this just for attention or to become part of a trend because when they do it, they are bringing physical fucking danger into their lives. That's not the kind of attention most people would want. Wouldn't you fucking agree? Sorry. I'm sorry for the hostility. I'm sorry. It's just so many people are being such assholes about this lately that I have a few minutes a day during which I kind of feel like punching somebody in the fucking face. But violence is bad. So I need to take a cleansing breath and chill out and, and get back on track here. Okay? I'm doing it, I promise. And like I said, I'm sorry for coming out so hot there. Anyway, the point is, it presents the same way all over the world. What they describe as feeling like they were born into the wrong body. And when they look in the mirror, they see someone different than who they feel that they are on the inside. Those are words that I'm relaying. Okay, that's not my description of it. Because like I said, I am a cisgender male. I can't describe it. All I can do is tell you what transgender people have said. Now, Cornell is uh, an Ivy League school in, in America, if you're not familiar with it. And they've done a pretty extensive study on transgender people worldwide. And I'm going to read what their study says. Just, just a snippet from it, because, you know, you and I both don't have all day. The analysis concluded that 93% of the studies found positive effects from gender transition, indicating a robust international consensus in the peer-reviewed literature that gender transition, including medical treatments such as hormone therapy and surgeries, improves the overall well-being of transgender individuals. A robust international consensus, like I said this presents the same way worldwide. Now, gender dysphoria is a term I don't like to use. Now, gender identity disorder is, is what was in the DSM before it was replaced by gender dysphoria. It was replaced by gender dysphoria specifically to end the practice of describing transgender people as people that have something wrong with them. But even so, gender dysphoria still carries with it the, a negative connotation sometimes and, and the implication that something is wrong. It's meant to be a neutral term that describes the effects of being born into a body that does not match your gender identity. 
and in some cases, actually in almost all cases, that results in severe emotional distress. Having to present as someone that you don't feel you are on the inside. Whether you are presenting sort of voluntarily or you're being forced to present as a gender that does not align with your gender identity, most of the time results in severe emotional distress. A feeling of disconnectedness between the person that you're presenting to the world and who you feel you are on the inside, if you're transgender. Now, like I said, I'm just relating the experiences as they've been described. It is profoundly negative, though, to have to present as a gender that, that does not align with your gender identity for most transgender people. Remember earlier when I was talking about my coworker, she said if she had to identify and present as a boy for one more fucking day, that she would have just had to kill herself. That's, that's what she said. I was there. I saw the look on her face. I heard the tone of her voice. She meant it. And this is somebody who is healthy now. This is somebody who is self-assured, doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks now. Um, and this is the person that when I would get an angry customer that I couldn't handle anymore, I couldn't calm down. I, I was allowed to hang up on people, but I never wanted to because I, I felt that was mean. I felt like it was... I felt like it was expected of me to do a better job than to just to give up on, on people and then cut the line. It just felt wrong. So I would just, you know, I, I would talk to her. I'd say, hey, I've got somebody who's really, really angry and I don't know what to do with them. And so she'd get on the line and they would just be yelling and screaming. I would hear them coming out of her headset. And she would just have her boots just kicked up on her desk, her boots that had the chains and the spikes on them. Remember, she was pretty fucking metal. And she would just smile at me and shake her head and and just say, you know, whatever she needed to say to chill them out. This wasn't somebody that's bothered by things easily. And yet, this strong person that I saw in front of me, this self-assured fearless person in front of me had been brought to a point where she was ready to die. If she couldn't get out of that rut of that, that situation where she had to present as somebody that wasn't who she really was. Again, it presents the same way in transgender people all over the world. 79 fucking million. Whether or not you believe being transgender is a valid state of being, that many people spread all over the planet, it, it should at least give you pause. It should at least give you some hesitation to take a, a die on this fucking hill position about it. But you know what? You have your own choice to make about that, I guess. What the fuck ever. Anyway, this isn't something that only presents when you turn 18, and that's the point of this entire episode. That's what I'm here to talk about. These negative effects, this gender dysphoria, if you will, 
this feeling of being born in the wrong body, it doesn't conveniently wait until you're 18 to present itself and start fucking up your life. And yet, Republicans want to force transgender kids to live this way until they are 18. So let's just take it away from being transgender for a minute, okay? Let's just take it away from that, and let's just use some hypothetical condition instead. You know, nothing specific, but let's just say that you were 10 or 11 years old, and you had some sort of condition. Whatever it was, it caused you a lot of distress. Emotionally, physically, whatever. It was causing you severe difficulty that was making it extra hard to go through all of these changes that everybody struggles with. Puberty, high school, middle school. It's one of the most turbulent times in anyone's life, even under the best and easiest of circumstances. It's never easy to go through that time in your life. It's just always, always a, a huge challenge to get through that and start forming yourself as a person, become a young adult and start calibrating your moral compass, your career path, you know, what, whatever your ideology might be. So stack on top of that the fact that you've got some unspecified condition that absolutely cannot be treated or addressed until you turn 18. And until you turn 18, you just have to, to deal with it while trying to get good grades and develop the skills that are going to serve you for the rest of your life. How you do in high school often does set the tone for the rest of your life. If you struggle academically in high school, there's a very good chance you won't go to college. And if you do, there's a very good chance you won't finish. And you sure as hell aren't going to be getting a scholarship. I mean, there's, there's enough working against you at that age when the stakes are that high without having to deal with a condition that puts you in a state of severe emotional distress and has to remain untreated by fucking law until you're 18. Republicans want to force every single trans kid to go through that untreated. And now, Missouri, they just launched a website where you can report parents for taking their teenagers to a doctor somewhere to get hormone replacement therapy or even just talk therapy that's gender affirming. You can report people through this website or through a hotline so that they can send the police to take the kids away, put them in foster care, and then arrest the parents and put them in fucking prison. Ripping a kid out of the home that they know, putting parents in prison, and if they survive that, you know what happens in prison if people find out that child abuse is the reason that you're there, you may never come out of that prison, no matter how short your sentence is. So if they even manage to make it through that, their police record, if, you know, they have a background check done on them for, a, say, a job, they'll be branded 
as a child abuser for the rest of their lives. All because they didn't want to force their child to suffer for another seven or eight years before finally being able to allow them to, to live as who they are. And gender-affirming care is very broadly defined. It can just be talk therapy that is accepting of their gender identity. It could be just presenting as their gender identity at home, even if the moment they leave their house and, and go to, to school, even if then they're dressing as their birth sex, if they're allowed to present as a different gender than that at home by their parents, just walking around the house, eating dinner, well, you can report that situation to the authorities in Missouri and the police will come and they will tear that family apart. And then that kid will be a ward of the state, the state that has put up a website where you can report parents for just being supportive of their kid's gender identity. You know, they'll be a ward of that state. How do you think they'll be treated in the care of a state with policies like that? How? No, I don't know. I'm really asking how. How do you think they'll be treated? I, I don't know. I did some research before recording this, and from what I can tell, that has not been figured out. I couldn't find anything definitive on what any state has planned for these kids once they, you know, rip them out of their childhood home and send their parents to fucking prison. There doesn't seem to be a, a definitive plan in place anywhere for that yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe. In some cases, they will just put those kids into foster care and whatever happens next will be according to the, the best judgment of whatever family they're placed with. If they're actually placed with a family and not into a state facility. And, and I think that's the best case scenario. But for states that have uh, policies like that that are willing to do this fucking horrendous shit, you know, in at least some of those states, you fucking know it's not going to stop there. They are not going to be spared from things like conversion therapy. And when these kids age out of being a ward of the state, when they finally do reach legal adulthood and they can finally be self-determining in their own destiny and they can tell their story publicly, the stories they tell are going to resonate through world history for a very long time. Not just American history. World history. These will be oral histories of one of the darkest times in history for transgender people and LGBTQ rights in general. And that will be our legacy as a country until we do something about it. The irony of all this is that it's not even about trans people or LGBTQ people at all. 
at least not really, not for most of these elected Republicans. What it's really about is keeping red states red, making red states hostile, inhospitable to anybody who isn't a straight white Christian bigot. You see, for a tiny little red state, you still get two senators. Kansas has, what, a couple million people? California has 38 million people. Still two senators in each. It's just as valuable for them to capture Kansas and keep it red as it is for California. When it comes to federal legislation, the final step, everybody knows, it's the Senate. Maybe it makes it through the House. That doesn't really matter if it doesn't make it through the Senate. Making these states as hostile as possible to anybody who is in any way other and making these states hostile to anybody who might have someone they care about in their life who is in any way other. Driving them out and discouraging any more from moving in is what laws like this are all about. And there is no amount of damage, no amount of suffering that they aren't willing to inflict in order to get that done. Now, this isn't some conspiracy theory. This isn't something people don't know or don't think about. This is a conversation Democrats have all the time. We talk about this all the time. This is not a fucking secret that this is why they're doing this. They're doing this in broad daylight, and they don't care that we know. They know that we know. And they're willing to do this in broad daylight because they no longer have any illusions whatsoever about being, quote, the good guys. One final point. Republicans like to say America is a republic. Democrats like to say this is a democratic republic. So let's unpack what that means a little bit. A republic is any government where there are elected representatives that speak for a portion of the population in electing national leaders and, you know, determining policy and things like that. Now, a republic comes in two flavors. A non-democratic republic and a democratic republic. In a non-democratic republic, you still have the elected representatives who speak for a portion of the population, but only a certain elite portion of the citizens uh, of such a nation is allowed to vote. Okay, the, the elite of that society are the only ones who get a voice in electing these representatives. That's a non-democratic republic, or just a republic. So when they say republic without the democratic part, they're saying that basically there should be an elite group of citizens who should have a voice in government and anyone who is perceived to be below this elite group should have no voice at all and should be subject to the whims and, and intentions and agendas of this elite class of citizens. That is a republic. 
without the Democratic Party. Now, a republic is a good thing if it is democratic. Probably better than a pure democracy where every single person in the entire country individually votes on every single issue. That would be kind of a logistical mess. Although it, such a thing is more feasible now with the technology that we have than it was maybe when, you know, our country was uh, created. But still, a democratic republic is efficient and it provides a really good basis for making sure that the, the greatest good is served for the most of the population in a way that is, is manageable and sustainable. So when they say... Republic without the Democratic part. That's what they're saying. And the reason I just went through all that was because I want to talk about democratic norms and the philosophy behind democratic rule in, let's say, a democratic republic like America. Here's a democratic norm that Republicans are trying to just stuff in the trash. If you think your ideas, your policy, platform, and agenda are for the greater good overall for the country, if you think your ideas are what's best, but the majority of the population does not agree, does not share your beliefs about these things, the democratic norm is for you to campaign, to organize, to engage in messaging, and try to win hearts and minds, win people over and convince them that your ideas are for the best. And if you can't do that, then you go back to the drawing board and you try again, or you just make an honest examination of your ideas and try to figure out why the majority of the population isn't seeing those ideas as the most beneficial thing for the majority of the country. And then modify those ideas accordingly. That's the democratic norm. Republicans are finding that their agenda is not popular with the majority of the country, by far. Rather than do any of that, though, rather than go about it the right way, according to the philosophy of democracy, what they've decided to do is to go the fuck around the majority of Americans and just, just push, just shove their agenda down the throats of the majority of the country that do not care for that agenda. By making red states inhospitable to anyone that's not going to vote red and therefore maintaining control of these tiny states that have just as much influence on federal policy as a state of any size, they are exerting a level of influence over policy and over elections that their voter base does not justify. That is, literally, minority rule. Also known as a non-democratic republic the opposite of a democratic republic. So while they are just dunking democracy in the trash along with basic human decency, transgender kids, 
become yet another group who is collateral damage in their never-ending campaign for fucking power. They have no other solution that is anywhere close to being as effective as transitioning. No other solution to that situation of being born in the wrong body has been found. And for the vast majority, an overwhelming fucking majority of transgender people, when they do transition, they immediately, immediately report vast improvements to their overall well-being, mental health, physical health. It works. And it's the only thing that does. And it's going to be denied to them for, in some cases, eight to ten years. Maybe even more in some cases. I knew I was gay when I was six years old. Under Republican rule, if you are a transgender kid, you are going to spend the second half of your childhood in a state of extreme distress. And that is the best case scenario for you. I really don't know what else to say about this. I mean, if you don't believe being transgender is a a valid state of being, and you've just taken that position and decided to die on that hill without doing any research, talking to anyone, or even trying to understand, I don't have a fucking thing to say to you. If you're undecided, or at any other point on the whole uh, belief spectrum as far as this whole transgender situation. Uh, If you have a conscience, this should fucking bother you. I guess that's it.